It is good to see all your bright and smiling faces, whether you're engaging us here or online. I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. I want to mention something before we get rolling. Tonight at, at 6 o'clock, we're doing a night of worship and prayer, and I'd love to have you come back for that. It's going to be a sweet, sweet time, so please join us for that. Take your Bible this morning. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and then also put your finger there and turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be in both places this morning as we continue our teaching series called Peeled. It's a study of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you've missed this, or maybe you don't know what the fruit of the Spirit is, this is a list of virtues from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through verse 24 that are produced in the Christian's life. These are these undeniable moments. These are those undeniable virtues that are going to happen if you know Jesus. Now, we are studying them one by one, but you kind of got to set up the context. We've spent two weeks doing this. Number one is this. As a Christian, to live out that life, to live out the thing that God calls us to do, we have to understand that the struggle is very real, that there is a war inside of you. You ever feel that way before? Like you try to do one thing good and you can't do it, or you try to do one th not to do one thing bad, and you always kind of go back in the same rut? Here's the reality. If you know Jesus, the struggle or the war inside of you is very real, and here's why. You and I are all born sinners. We're all born with an instinct to do things bad, to do things wrong. But when Christ <coughs> invades your life and you become a Christian, you're drawn up or gathered into him. And so the Spirit, his Holy Spirit, his presence is in your life. However, you still live here, don't you? You still have that fight. And so we talked about the battle inside of us. Then we moved on to how to produce fruit, how to grow in your relationship with God and what that specifically looks like. And we looked at three different types of fruit that the Christian always bears. The first type was the Godward fruit. Now notice what it says in verse 22, chapter 5 of Galatians. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, and peace. These are the things that we do toward God or because of God. We have love toward God, and loving Him best enables us to love each other and love others what? Most. Or loving Him most enables us to love each other best. And that's because of God. And we talked about that agape love. This morning we want to deal with joy, and then there's peace. We'll deal with that next week. Then there's the manward fruit. It's the idea of having forbearance or patience, kindness, and goodness towards each other. Something that God can only produce in our life, to have patience towards others, right? And then we have that inward stuff, the things that we're producing in our life in order to exhibit in different areas of our life. Notice what it says there. Faithfulness, uh, and then notice what happens next gentleness and self-control when we get to self-control that's going to be a real toe stomper right because we all struggle with that this morning we transition to joy now last week we dealt with love and we went through this whole repertoire of different music genres y'all remember that if you're here we dealt with everything from elvis to billy eilish and what the world says about love and this morning, I thought it would be relevant for us to continue that journey and deal with another song. There was a guy in 1980, some of you were alive, most of you were not, named Johnny Lee. And he wrote this song, or he, he produced this song on country radio called Looking for Love. And I want to see if you know this. I know you've heard this before. He says, I was looking for love in what? Wrong places. There we go. Here we go. Let's do the next one. See, if, see how good you are. Looking for love in what? Too many faces. Now, that's the people who are over 50 who just did that verse. Everybody, thank you. A couple others. All right, looking for love in all our own prices, places, looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what? Um, 
There we go, man. Y'all are so much better than 930. Here's the deal. If we were able to take that word love and replace it, it would be, we could put joy in there. I know we're not talking about love. We're talking about joy this morning. But I think it's so relevant to us because sometimes we're looking for joy in all the wrong way. Places. Y'all done that before? And I think they're categorized into three different ways. They're categorized in the, we look for joy in people. You ever done that before? If I can just get a boyfriend, if I can just get a girlfriend, if I can just get married, if I can just have kids, if, if these people in my workplace would just act right. And we look for joy, and we find out that at the end of the day, we disappoint each other all the time. Agreed? Sometimes the people we think are going to bring us greatest joy bring us the greatest heartache, right? And then we look for joy in experiences. Like we love to travel. We love to go to ball games. We love to experience these things. Yesterday I was in Athens. I was watching the Georgia beat uh, the Razorbacks. It was a great experience. Thank you. Uh, it was a great experience. But that's going to wear off, right? We do those things. Uh, uh, about a year ago, we took the kids, the whole family. We went to this plane called I Fly. And it's basically a simulated uh, uh, skydiving place. And there's this, you step into this thing, you got the little jumpsuit on. Y'all seen this before? And there's a fan underneath you, and it's so fast, and it pushes you up. It's really awesome. And so as we're signing in, uh, it was me and the kids doing it. And uh, they said, do you want to just do a low-level flight, or you want to go up like 30 or 40 feet? And I'm like, 30 or 40 feet. My son's like, 30 or 40 feet. My daughter's like, no. And so we get there. And so we both get in, we all take our turn, and you're in there in the structure, and they make you turn around. You can try to do a flip, but really you're just learning to balance so you don't fall over. And Caroline gets in there, and I'm picking on my daughter incredibly here, so I owe her ice cream. Here's the deal. She gets into the tube, and she's floating, and she's having a good time, and she's smiling. And then the instructor looks at me and goes, you want me to take her up? Now I'm a good, good father. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my daughter's like, shoop, up there. And she beat me when she got out. It was great. It was a fun experience, wasn't it, baby? It was great. And we have those experiences in life. But let me tell you something. Experiences wear off, don't they? Then we have joy in places. Now, help me up and understand what I mean by place. Where we work. Where we go to school. Where we live. What kind of car we drive. It's the place that we're at. And we find ourselves experiencing those places and having a good time. Let me tell you something. Houses need to be repaired. Cars break down. Vacations can be derailed. Agreed? And we all have that place we love to go. A lot of you here, your peace place, your place you like to be is the beach, right? You ever been to the ocean when there's a hurricane? Not a good place. <laughs> so here's the deal. What we want to do this morning is really focus in on what joy is. And we've gone to great lengths and here at River Hills to talk about the differences between what is happiness, which is circumstantial, and what is joy, and how do we experience that? Because there is a profound difference. And many of the times, the reason we're looking for joy in all the wrong places is because we're understanding joy as happiness. And happiness is not the same thing as joy. In fact, God doesn't call you to be happy. Do you realize that? God doesn't promise your happiness. But he does promise joy. He does call you to be joyful. And we've been around those Christians before who are going through different tragedies or experiences, and they're in the midst of that, and you know, like, they're so joyful. And you're like, how is this happening? Or maybe you've been around a person before, and they're annoyingly joyful. Have y'all had people like that in your life? So how does they experience that? How are they having that? And there's a difference. 
In the New Testament, the word joy or joyful is used 250 times. The idea of rejoice is used over 200 times. So this is something we need to camp out on and really begin to understand and really begin to follow through. So for us to understand what it means to be joyful in the context of what it's talking about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, understand to experience this joy over and over again, there's two parts to it. There's divine grace and there's personal effort. If you want to experience joy, which is radically different than happiness, it's divine grace and personal effort. Now, what, does I mean, what do I mean by that? Divine grace is what God does in your life. Divine grace is what Christ is producing. This is what we, why we call it the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of human effort. If you know Jesus, joy is going to happen. But here's the problem. We tend to cover up that plant or cover up that fruit-producing uh, uh, thing in our life with a lot of different stuff. It could be grief. It could be uh, presuppositions to what we think God should be. It could be all types of experiences. It could be looking for joy in what? All the wrong places again, right? And instead of having that God-producing joy in our life that is what we want, we cover it up and never get to experience the way God wants us to experience. So let's just kind of tear this apart this morning. We're going to spend most of our time in Romans chapter 5, but the first big point that we need to understand and really gather up in our brain cells is this. Jesus is the source of all our joy, period. The source of our joy is Jesus. Just like last week we talked about the source of love is Christ, the same thing is true about joy. But here is the problem. Again, we're looking for joy in all the what? Wrong places. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this, and I love this. We'll put this up on the screen for you. We'll have to flip to it, but really it's one of those verses that we need to hang our hat on. So notice what it says. For the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. It's not about your experiences. It's not about what you get to produce. It's not about your relationships. It's not about the places you go. It's not about the things you get to do. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and what? joy it's not about what you do it's not about the people in your life it's not about the experiences or the places you get to go to it's about him and if we want to experience not just temporary happiness but eternal joy we have to find the source of this wonderful river of joy and it's always jesus it's always if you go to the book of philippians it's four short chapters in the Bible, and it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And he repeatedly uses the word joy and rejoicing over and over and over again. And if we understood when he's writing it, he's writing it from a prison cell while chained to a prison guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But he continues to say, my joy, my joy, my joy, your joy, your joy. So there's got to be more. Agreed? There's got to be so much more. And the source of all of this always begins and in reality it ends with jesus now i i always find great amusement in this phrase and it's the phrase hang with me listen to this if you lose something and you're talking to somebody about it maybe you lost your car keys maybe you lost a book i don't know whatever whatever you lose i lose my brain half the time when we talk about it with somebody we simply always say i found it in the last place i looked now, this is funny to me because it's not like you're going to continue to look for it, right? Man, I lost my car keys. I looked and I looked and I looked and I found them and I just kept looking because I thought it was fun. You know, nobody does that. But in our relationship with the Lord, we do. 
is that you find this incredible divine grace. We find this joy in Jesus, but it's like, man, the emotion wears off, or life goes by, or we have these hardships, and so it's like, hey, I'm going to keep looking. And every time we find ourselves looking for joy in all the wrong places, and we peel back our life, and we find that we've covered what is really the good joy up with different experiences, places, and people. And every one of those seems to find its place to a point of destruction or letdown. Agreed? And that's the thing. Is if we really want to truly experience the joy, that Christian joy that God talks about, that we see others experiencing, we have to really drill into the person of Jesus. Now we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it's, it's so pertinent to what we're dealing with this morning. Because some of us have got more age on us than others, right? Some of us are just starting out in our spiritual journey. But 100% of us can say, I was let down. I had an experience, and it didn't pan out the way I wanted to. And what we thought was going to make us happy actually ended up being incredibly tragic. There's got to be more. Romans chapter 5, verse verse 11 the Apostle Paul writes this. Not only is this so, but we also boast. Now that word boast means joy or rejoicing in something. In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, that's a wonderful word, reconciliation. I mean, what he's saying here is the, the, the source of your boasting, the source of what you take enjoyment in, is your relationship with Christ. Period. So the source of all things the source of all joy is Jesus. But let's lead us, let's go to another observation here. Go to chapter 5. We're going to be here the rest of our time together. Notice what happens here. Therefore, since we've been justified, verse 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And let's just kind of tear this verse apart. These three or four or five verses here are profoundly important to our faith. But I want you to notice what's happening here. He's saying, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, to be justified means you're placed in right standing. You're placed from a position to where you're at war with God to a position you're at peace with God. You're placed in a position where you're destined for hell. You come to know Jesus, you're a place where you're destined to heaven. And so the thing is, as you and I look for joy in all the wrong places, and we find that lacking if you know Jesus the beauty in this is that you can turn this around so if you're here this morning is like man that is not me I'm pursuing this addiction I'm pursuing this pathway I'm pursuing this relationship and it's finding me lacking here's the point here is that there's always this position of right standing if you know Jesus and you just turn to him it's called repentance But here's what the beautiful thing is even more so. It says, therefore, since you've been justified through faith, here's the point. You have peace with God through your Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean now? To have peace with God. Now, we're going to deal with peace at a different level next week, but I want you to understand something. We don't like to think of it in terms like this, but we're at war with God before we know Jesus. It's a declaration of independence that we made saying, we don't need you. Our ancestors did it in the name of Adam and Eve. And so I feel like some days we get to heaven, there's going to be a long line to punch them in the face. You know what I mean? But here's the point. Through Christ, there's peace. The war is over. Christ has claimed victory, and you're a part of his family. Isn't that good? But here's the greater point. Notice what happens in verse 2. Through whom, meaning Jesus Christ, in verse 1, we bring that over to verse 2. Through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And this next sentence is what we're going to deal with the rest of our time together. And we boast or rejoice in or have joy in 
in the hope of the glory of God. Now, let's just deal with that for a few minutes. And we're going to wade into the deep end of the pool. So I, I really, if you've missed everything, hone in right here because I want to I give you the secret here. I want to answer the question. Uh, now, I was once a smart aleck, 18, 19, 20-year-old, 45-year-old still. But here's the deal. Uh, yesterday, walking down through the street of Athens, there was a nice lady, and she was uh, worked for the University of Georgia. We were walking into the stadium, and she was just saying, hey, if you have any questions or you need help with anything, uh, I'm here to help you. So if you have any questions, she's announced it to the crowd, stop and ask. And I'm thinking, I know what I've asked at 20 years old, and, um, and, and, and believe it or not, there was a 20-year-old behind me. He stopped and said, I have a question. I'm like, here it comes. And he says, what's the meaning of life? And I'm like, I would have asked that question just to be a jerk. <laughs> but he asked it. What I want to do is give you the secret this morning of how to have joy. You with me on that? That's what we want, right? We want to have joy. We want to have a happiness. This morning, we want to give you that answer. So if you tuned out, tune back in. Here it is. The object of our joy is hope. Now, what does this mean? Let's go, back to verse, let's go back to verse 2 and let's deal with that sentence. And we rejoice in or boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we've got to deal with this from two perspectives here. Without hope, you're never going to be happy. You get that? Without hope, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to have joy. The best way to explain it is this way. You take a long trip and you plan that trip you buy the tickets for that trip you're not you're not going on the trip to travel you're going on the trip for your destination right now garfield says it and i think it's complete wisdom he said this if, if whoever said that getting there is half the fun should be drug out in the street and shot he's absolutely right <laughs> when we were uh, had kids uh we still have kids but they were much smaller both of them in car seats both of them toddlers and a baby we decided to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota to visit my wife's grandmother, one of the most wonderful people on the face of the planet. My, uh, we call her Gigi, great-grandma, our kids do that, and she is just still at 90-something, 93, 94 years old, just a wonderful, wonderful woman, one of my favorite people. And um, we decided to go visit her, and we had to go to uh, Atlanta Airport and fly the kids up to Minneapolis Airport. And if you've ever taken toddlers and babies through Atlanta Airport or any airport, it's like the fourth level of hell. It's just not fun. Y'all with me? Any of y'all done that before? They're running everywhere. I had one of my kids, and they just want to run everywhere and experience everything, so we actually had a rope on them. I mean, the other one is in a car seat. Our toddler walks up, and, you know, they make him do the whole security check. I don't know if they thought that he had sharpened one of his Legos and put it in his pocket. I don't know, but it was just drama after drama after drama, and one of our kids, we didn't buy a seat for because we're saving money and they cried the whole time because we're rocking them and the air pressure's going up and down we fly from Atlanta and for some reason they didn't fill up the plane with gas I think every airplane that takes off you should fill it up Agreed? Can we just say amen to that? One, two, three. Amen. Okay, good. Here we go. So we're flying, and we stop in Kansas City and sit on the tarmac for an hour so they can fill up the gas tank, all right? We have toddlers. They're losing their brains at this point. One of them screaming. One of them I'm pulling back with a rope on the plane with people who don't know us who give us ugly, dirty looks like, can't you be a better parent? No, we can't. We finally get to Minneapolis. 
We pile off the plane. We have to get the stroller out, which a stroller in that day and age for us was the size of a Volkswagen bug. Y'all with me on that? You sling it out, it snaps into place. You lock the kid down. The other one you're holding on by a rope. And now we've got to go rent our car. We rent the car, and then you've got to attach a car seat inside of a car that you've just rented. To attach a car seat, at least in my experience, you need an engineering degree, Right? We put it in, we stapled the kids in. Yes, I called staple them in. That's what we did. Stapled them in, and now I'm in a city I've never driven in, and I've got to go find Grandma's house. But man, when we pull up in the driveway, Grandma slings that door open, and she is wide open, and she comes down like this. It's worth it. But it's not about traveling there. It's the hope of seeing Grandma. And your joy is not about our experiences here. It's about the hope. You see the difference, right? Are you going to have moments of happiness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you going to have moments of heartbreak? 100%. But it's not about here. It's about the hereafter. That's the joy. So dig through the text with me a little bit more. Notice this. The source of our relationship, is, uh, the source of our joy is Jesus and the hope is the object of that joy but, but, but notice what happens here let's go back to verse 2 it says and, and we rejoice in or boast in the hope of the glory of God now notice it didn't say we rejoice or boast in the hope of a good day you see that notice it didn't say we rejoice in or we hope in uh, or we boast in the hope of financial well being or good health I mean, these guys that go up and tell you to practice, uh, follow Jesus, and you'll get good health and big wealth are just absolutely off their rockers. Turn the television off, guys. Don't read the websites. Don't listen to the blogs. Those guys are so outside of biblical parameters. They need to be labeled that, okay? But what he's saying here is your hope, you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So here's the question, and this is going to give us the secret. Y'all with me on this? What is the glory of God? You've heard that phrase a lot, haven't you? What does it mean to glorify God, and then what is the glory of God? I want to give you a little bit of a working, very basic definition. So jot this down and tune into this. The glory of God, the glory of God is the radiance of his infinite worth, his perfection, and great value. The glory of God is the radiance of his infinite worth, his perfection, and his great value. Now, why is that important? It's important because if he is the origin of joy and love, he's going to radiate and reflect that joy and love to you and I. Agreed? And in order to experience that at a higher level, at the maximum place, we need to seek that. Instead, though, we seek joy in all the what? Wrong places. Y'all been there, or is it just me? But what Scripture's teaching us is let the hope be in God's glory. By seeking His face, you find joy. Is it easy? No. Are you going to be unhappy? Yes. But, is these, but are these other things going to satisfy you? Because isn't that real joy? No. Only God can. And the ramifications of this are profound. Imagine if you're married 
Instead of seeking satisfaction in your spouse, you sought it in God. How much happier your marriage would be. Think about that. Imagine in your parenting, instead of seeking the success or the fulfillment of expectations in your children, you sought God and the joy he could offer. How much better your parenting would be. Imagine how your job would be different if you said, this doesn't identify me, but my relationship with the Lord does. How much better it would be. Y'all follow me on this? When you're seeking the glory of God, you glorify him by making much of that glory. And the way you make much of that glory to glorify is you seek him and you value that above everything else. That's joy. That's your secret. Now, that's, that's, that's wading in the deep end of the pool, is it not? But here's the thing. Go back to your text. Notice what happens here. And we boast or rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And because of that, we have joy. We experience his glory. And we reflect that, and therefore we're satisfied, and that joy is maximized in our life. But here's always the question I get. Chip, life is hard. And I'm distracted. And I focus in on other things. And when I focus in on other things, I seem to get let down. Y'all with me? Paul has an answer for that. Skip down. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in, which is the same word for boast in, rejoice in, our sufferings. I don't know about you, I don't want to experience any sufferings where I'm going to be happy about it, right? Are y'all with me? When I say this in here, are we? I don't want to just go experience suffering so I can take joy in it. Look at me, I'm having a bad day, woo! No, that's not how it works. But you rejoice in your sufferings because of two things. God is doing something beautiful here. Notice what he's doing here. In our sufferings, because, notice what happens here, our suffering produces perseverance, our perseverance character, and our character, what does it produce? Hope. You see that? And we hope in the what? Glory of God. So what's happening here is beautiful. God is doing something in that suffering. And at the same time, the suffering calls us and at times forces us to look at a different pathway because we've been looking for joy in all the wrong places you get that you find yourself not satisfied maybe you're looking for satisfaction in the wrong place you find yourself not happy maybe you're looking for happiness in the wrong places you have to find it in something bigger perhaps the origin of that happiness of that joy and it's in the creator the lord the king jesus christ so how do we apply this? Well, I'm going to give you three little steps here, all right? These are simple, simple applications. Now, it's going to cause us to do something, because remember, divine grace and personal growth, personal effort, is going to cause us to have that thing, to have that joy even more magnified in our life. Number one, reconciliation with Jesus. Reconciliation with Jesus. That's your first step of application. Now, here's the thing. I use that word reconciliation because as we read in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 we're at peace with God when we're reconciled to Christ reconciled to him through Christ meaning we were at war peace has been made through the blood of Jesus and you come to know him and you're forgiven you got to experience that reconciliation 
you got to have that Jesus in your life. Some of us have been playing religion, and you're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to have joy until you know Christ. It's asking him to come into your life. Two, personal growth. Personal growth. You've got to put effort into this. You're not just going to experience God's joy by doing nothing and continuing to experience or pursue or look for God or look for joy in all the what? Wrong places. You've got to have some personal growth. You've got to take a step. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. We're going to be doing this for our students as well, so hang on and you'll get some announcements about, announcement about that. But I want to challenge you to take 45 minutes out of your life. 45 minutes to learn how to grow personally in your relationship with God. We're doing a seminar next Sunday night, October 10th, starting at 6 o'clock, to teach you how to pray and how to read your Bible. We'll provide child care. You come. We're going to give you a 45-minute just drink out of the fire hydrant, and then we're going to give you an accountability partner for the next six weeks. Y'all have a Bible reading plan, and you check in with each other to make sure you're doing it. Does that sound good? 45 minutes, guys that could radically change your joy. Would you be willing to do that? All you got to do, here's sign up for it is this. Throw it up on the screen. Text in the phrase and make sure you write it out like this, two by two, T-W-O-B-Y-T-W-O, to the number, we'll have it in just a moment, to the number 55498. That's going to send you a link, and you got to fill it out. Sound good? Make sure you're signed up for this. 45 minutes, 45 minutes. Personal growth. The last thing is this. Future expectation. Future expectation. What does that mean? There's more. Is that our, The thing about hope is it's in the future. And we have to cast our eyes on that. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Notice what happens here. The author's talking about how to fix our eyes. And we fixate, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, at the throne, at right hand of the throne of God. What is that first little phrase there? You fix your eyes on Jesus. Where is Christ? Heaven. Where are you going to be? There. What's, what's encompassing that? Joy. You have to have some future expectation. This morning, we're going to remind ourselves of that through communion. And as you noticed here and here, we have tables set up for us to take communion. And com communion is one of those th things that we do in the church to remind ourselves of the great sacrifice that Christ made, that he has completed us, that he's reconciled us, and he provides joy. And it's so interesting, as we read that phrase just a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, is it scorning its shame for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. By enduring the cross, he took the punishment we deserve. And by rising from the dead, we have victory. And so through communion, we reflect back and are mindful of the things that Christ has done for us, that he's forgiven us and he's given us life. But we also take a moment as we, do, as we read in Scripture to sit back and reflect on not only that great salvation that Jesus has done for us and that we can have joy and it is there and it's available, but also there are things in our life we need to repent of. Repent, repentance means we're going in one direction and we turn and go the other. What do you need to repent of? What do you need to get right with the Lord? So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to say amen. The band's going to come up here in just a moment. And you just sit in your space there with the Lord and say, God, what I need to change, what I need to repent of, what I need to get right in my life. But also thank God. Lord, thank you for this forgiveness. Thank you that I have access to joy. And do business with the Lord. And as you feel like you're ready, you come forward. You take the, the juice. You take the cracker to your seat. And together as a church, we'll take communion together.
But also, I want you to be mindful of this. If you have children in here, or maybe someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus, they're in the room. Communion are for those who know Christ. For everyone else, it's just a very, 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 very tasteless snack. But for those who know Jesus, it's to remind us of what Christ has done. So use this as an opportunity to say, you're not ready for communion yet, but let me go home and share my faith with you and show you what it means to know Jesus. Does that sound good to you guys? Take the time to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, we ask that in these moments that you would change us, that you'd guide us, and you'd direct us. And as we reflect back on the things that you've done and are doing in our lives, overwhelm us with your grace. Fill us with your presence. Consume us with your spirit. And give us the understanding that we need to glorify you and to seek you and to experience you.